This is Brian Mayer, host of Hot Sauce Weekly, and you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. Do it live! Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. If you didn't know, we're originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you right here on your live fire fun and frivolity show. That's what we're doing. We're calling it the live fire fun and frivolity show. If you forgot that, trying to make that a thing. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, you can fine. get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 12 minutes from now. Friends, if you didn't think it was ever going to happen again, barbecue is making somewhat of a resurgence back on television, although it doesn't look and feel like traditional style cable television. It is coming via Netflix of all places where you can now find the chef's table barbecue edition or what a lot of us were binge watching since Friday on release, the American barbecue showdown, which is also on Netflix. And we'll be talking to one of the final three that I just spoil something for you. For those of you who are slow rolling the show, Long-time Centralite, pitmaster of Lady of Q, Sylvie Curry, will be rejoining the show. And while I want to sit here and say we're going to be talking about the week after week or episode after episode trials and tribulations, we might get to some of that. I might be looking at the chat to see if you guys are bringing anything strong and outside the box. I'm going to ask a lot of questions that I want to know about, behind-the-scenes stuff, not just... How was this person or what was that challenge like? I mean, watch the show. So if you haven't binged the whole thing and know who won, I may or may not ruin that for you, and I will give you the caveat right off the bat. Tune out of Sylvie's segment if you don't want to know things that happened, at least through the first handful of weeks. There were some things that happened I have to ask about. But Sylvie Curry will be back right here on the show in about 11 minutes. Then we'll move to 35 past the hour. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month. 
And that means we will be finding a visit from the bristly barbecue journalist, a barbecue central show guest hall of famer, and the creator of DerekRiches.com. Derek Riches will be joining us and we'll get his journalistic opinion on the classes of barbecue television that are going on right this very instant on Netflix. We'll talk about some other things as well. We'll move to the second hour after that. And since it is the fourth Tuesday, you know damn well what's going to be coming up. The most popular second hour segment, and it has grown to be statistically proven, the embedded correspondence, the malfeasance of the barbecue community that I have assembled to give opinions the leading opinion makers in the industry join me in about an hour and 10 minutes from now. Uh, we will also cover maybe uh, what they think about the barbecue television stuff. You know, there has been a tremendous amount of backlogged topics and info that we just have not gotten to. And this particular segment does not bode well. I said it does not. Andrew. You are not the fire. It does not bode well that we will begin to penetrate any of the backlog this month. September, if you were a fan of the show, at least since 2018, means only one thing when it comes to the embedded correspondence. What's that? The Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame nominations and potential class picking will take place next hour. So if you have a suggestion on who you think should be in the Guest Hall of Fame, let me do something that the newest member of the Embedded Correspondence didn't bother doing. Review the current list of Barbecue Guest Hall of Famers. 2018 was pretty extensive. Last year was a total of five that won in. So don't rename people that are already in there go to the main website look at the top right of the navigation there's a whole page on the barbecue central show guest hall of fame who's in it the requirements and all that stuff basically while i would love to see who you think should be in there your opinion does not matter we are not taking you into account we are keeping it in-house amongst the circle of confidence and the circle of knowledge we feel very well-versed in our ability to pick who should be in the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. We've each generated a list of five names. I can tell you right now, as we sit here at 9.06 p.m. Eastern, there is one unanimous decision. The other four, who the hell knows at this point? Who the hell knows? We'll see how it goes from here. But there'll be a lot of talk about guest Hall of Fame stuff in the second hour. So again, feel free to jump in through the chat, monitoring through Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Also, let me remind you, there is now again a working audio stream to the show. So if you go to the main website, you click on audio only stream or whatever that first big block option is, it will launch some kind of default player on your web browser and now you can take the show with you and enjoy it just like it would be on traditional radio, except you're listening on your phone or in your car speakers or, you know, however it is, you do what you do. Sylvie Curry, Derek Rich's Embedded Correspondence, your show lineup. You can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. I think I just said that incorrectly, but that's all right. I also corrected myself. Instagram. Twitter, 
Snapchat, TikTok at BBQ Central Show slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch. Which, by the way, I thought zero people were really streaming live on YouTube. Less people on Twitch. It's just a different platform. As a matter of fact, let me peek where the CPUs are at the moment. 22%. This Tower of Power 3 is a freaking beast of a computer. I'm touting it right off the bat. We're going to have a bunch of email to get through here before we get to the first break. And then Sylvie. Skippy in Pittsburgh. Uh I never want to question anybody's name. But Skippy in Pittsburgh. What? I know. I don't believe that. I'll go with it. Greg, it was fun to see Robin being such a good sport about the whole turning 68 bit you stuck on Meathead a few weeks back. I love a sense of humor. She obviously has one. Well done to the both of you. Thank you, Skippy, for writing in and for appreciating the bit that we were putting on, by the way. Love that. Email from Scott. Hey, Greg, love the show. Fun fact, cat diapers are a real thing. When the diaper gets full, you throw that bitch out. Cat still attached. Uh-oh. I can't throw the cat out, Scott. Believe me, when I read that for the first time, I didn't not think that I might be going out to buy cat diapers. Now, I will tell you, given the monicum of pressure and angst that that cat feels on a day-to-day basis, on a minute-by-minute basement uh, basis, Remember, this is the cat that found its way clear to be pissing all over my house weeks ago. Well, we are now going on a solid three weeks of no cat pissing in the house. Full of Prozac. Still on the Prozac regimen. That is your cat update, and that's it. Email from Todd Rourke. Greg, do you recommend a book that explains why live fire cooking is better, not just how to do it? Thanks, Todd. Todd, that's a damn good question. You know what? I don't think that book exists. I don't think there's a live fire book out there that explains why live fire cooking is better. That's something that you can taste and determine all for yourself. No book needed. Eat something that has been cooked via live fire. Decide if you like it. Decide if having it cooked indoors would have been better. For me, 99% of the time, outside is better. Gas grill, charcoal grill, pellet smoker, you name it, laying offset, just throwing them all out there because I have them for free. But there's no book out there that is going to be able to tell you distinctly that live fire is better. That's going to be subjective. But thanks for writing it. Perhaps I've just given birth to a new book idea. Uh, Derek, sign me up. We're writing a book together. But you didn't know that. In the meantime, we'll be waiting for Sylvie. And you can jump on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and check out their huge selection of rubs and spices and cookers and sauces. 
Go to BigPapaSmokers.com and you can check out everything that they got there. I have a number of rubs that I use all the time. Sweet Money Rub, Little Louis Season Salt, Double Secret Steak, Cash Cow, Regular Money. The list goes on. Those are just some of my favorites. They also have a great sauce that you can use all by itself. You don't have to tweak it if you don't want. However, it's a great base sauce. It's known as Granny's Barbecue Sauce. They own that. And they have the cookers, right? Absolutely. You want a, one of those pellet cookers, do ye? How about the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill in its latest version? Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. So if you're interested, check it out. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, that's up to you. Your prerogative. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker. That Big Papa Trust on his competition trailer. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast, they have a number of grills that you can look at there, too. Look, it's clear. This is the place to go for all things barbecue. If you have questions, you call them at 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. I was just on the phone with Sterling Ball last night, catching up on business and other stuff that will remain in the circle of confidence. All I know is star of stage and screen and the pitmaster of Lady of Q is joining me here in just a few seconds. It's Sylvie Curry, so you stick around for that, and we'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings and barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All of the products have been tested on the competition circuit, as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. Always trust your butcher. As I had mentioned in the open, if you are into watching barbecue TV, you may be in pig heaven lately. I said pig heaven. I absolutely blew that pun. My next guest, a contestant on the new series, The American Barbecue Showdown, in real life, the pitmaster of Lady of Q and longtime Centralite. We welcome back to the show, Sylvie Curry. Hey, Sylvie. How you doing? I am fabulous, and I'm so excited to have you back here on the show as we talk about your very successful jaunt onto uh, barbecue on television. And uh, before we get into some of the week-by-week or episode-by-episode stuff, let me ask you this. For somebody who has been in the competition scene for as long as you have now, you have seen the rise in popularity. I mean, you've you know seen this whole big swell here over the last uh, decade or so. When we were in what I've termed the golden age of barbecue television, the multiple series and seasons of Pitmasters and the various versions that preceded that, did you think that we would get to a time, Sylvie, where... 
barbecue would be landing on a streaming service such as Netflix? Not at all. Actually, I've been around since the first Pitmaster series back in, what was it, 2008, nine, And then the format that they had surprised me that even people would be watching barbecue like that. And to get to the point where it's worldwide and we're on Netflix and we're showing Pitmasters doing their thing, it's just, it's wonderful. Sylvie, how do you hear or read about this opportunity to... I guess, apply for the American Barbecue Showdown. Actually, it was a pretty funny story. My daughter actually got an email from someone saying that they had a show that was going to be on Netflix and they were trying to get in touch with me, but they didn't have any contact information. And if she was my daughter, could she please forward the email? And she thought it was some type of spam or phishing or something like that, but she did forward it to me. And I called the number and lo and behold, I went through the audition process. Did they tell you during that initial part what drew them to you or, or why they thought you would be, a, a, well, good enough for, you, for them to reach out to you versus you being somebody just submitting like a cattle call? I really never got the story on that because the person who called me from casting didn't know. It was just a name that she had on a list and uh, someone may have given my name up, but I have no clue I've been. Uh, so what's the interview process like when they uh, when you get into that initial conversation? I assume there might have been more than one or two. What are those like for you? Oh, God, it's a long process. Really? I mean, you start off, yeah, you, we started off in, I think, the end of March, beginning of April. And they started off with someone calling and doing a Skype call with me, trying to get familiar with me and getting an idea of my past and how I got into barbecue and all that. And then they started asking for submission of photos or videos or things of you cooking. And <clears throat> from there, it went on to, well, we want a judge to cook. And it's like, God, I live in the middle of where I'm not sure anybody wants to care. But anyway, a couple of days later, I got a call saying that I didn't need a judge because they had verification from multiple sources that I could cook. Mm-hmm. Then we went on and on and on with interviews and signing contracts and going through the process of talking to multiple people. I must have talked to like casting, then went to production, then it went to someone in culinary. Then we had to go through a psych evaluation and we did the psych test and then they had a psychologist call and talk to you. And by the time we got to, I guess about the end of June, beginning of July, it finally got to the point where they had their top 20. And I was named as one of the top 20 that would potentially be uh, cast. Then a couple of weeks later, I got a call saying that I was in the top 14. And at that time, they were going to send 14 of us to Atlanta to start off the show. And that four would be alternatives and 10 would be actually on the show. But she couldn't tell me which one was I an alternative or was I one of the 10. And we went from there. So it's a lot involved. How much time is actually taken? So, uh, you know, you're part of the 10. You're heading to Atlanta. How much time do they tell you you have to stay in Atlanta? Well, they they had already gone through and told us it was we had to commit to three weeks. Holy moly. And and so we, we knew going into it that if you didn't get bumped off, 
the further and further you went, you could potentially be there three weeks. And there was no travel back and forth. It was once you get there, you were there. And you couldn't bring your spouse, husbands, boyfriends, or whatever. This was you alone. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty hardcore. At three weeks, and I don't know what you're allowed to answer or what you're not, but do they pay you? I mean, I assume some of these people have traditional or non-traditional jobs that they probably can't say, oh, hey, by the way, need three weeks off, catch <laughs> you later. Uh, they do give you financial reimbursement, and I'm not at liberty to say how much. Is it? Does it rhyme uh, with do. $1 million, <laughs> Sylvie? <laughs> No, it does not rhyme with $1 million. Oh, right. And fortunately, I'm retired, so it's like, what else am I going to be doing? All right, so uh, time was uh, no problem. I mean, did any of the other contestants mention that it was kind of a hassle for them to find that time? Uh, actually, there were, I think over half of them actually had full-time jobs. Yeah. So they had to either take off, take vacations, or whatever in order to accommodate the time. I think I was the only one who was retired. Now, I had heard from some other folks. We're talking with Sylvie Curry, pitmaster lady of Q. You can see her right now on American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. That maybe there were 1,500 or 2,000 other folks that they were interested in. So as you're getting through this whole process and whittling it down from however many to 20 to 14, blah, blah, blah. In your opinion, what do you think sets you apart versus somebody else they might have been considering? You know, I'll be honest with you, and I'll just say it, old black lady. What? <laughs> Sylvia, you're black? And I'll just say it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, that was, that's something that's unique because Lady Pitmaster, number one, yeah. and to be older and competing in the circuit is even more extreme. So that's a big draw. Uh, you're pretty accomplished, Pitmaster, Sylvie. I mean, it's certainly no surprise to us or any of the central lights. Uh, we follow you. We know when you're doing well. You've seen success on the KCB circuit. You've been successful at World Food Championships in past years. What's the win for you to do a show like this outside of potentially winning the show itself? Why do it? Exposure. And not because I want um, to get something from someone. I want to be able to get out and let people know that people like me exist and that barbecue is not just a bunch of guys sitting around a pit cooking because everybody has the, the thought that the women are going to be doing the side dishes and making the boxes and all that. I want them to know that I cook and I compete in, as Melissa says, in the boys' room. When you show up, you're picked as somebody that's actually going to be one of the real contestants and you're not going to be an alternative. Do you recognize any of these folks as they start to roll in? And uh, like, are you uh, corralled into some type of a standard hotel or a place where you're going to be holed up for the next three weeks? We were not told, and I did ask who were the other contestants. And I was told that I would find out when we got there. And so actually not until we arrived in Atlanta and actually a couple of the other contestants rode on the van to the hotel with me. So I got to meet them. We got to the hotel, the rest of the contestants, we didn't meet until we had a meeting that day. And there was only one person that I knew, and that was Tina Cannon. Hmm. She had championships in the past. 
what's the mood like in a meet and greet like this? Uh, you're going because you're competitive. You obviously want to win it. Uh, is there a palatable tension? Uh, is it just like, hey, this is like a regular barbecue competition, which has had a history of being like a family gathering? What's that feel like? Actually, it was really um, that there was no social problems. We had that everybody met each other. We hugged. We talked about our backgrounds and where we're from and what we're doing. And we just all got along. It was just sort of like a bonding right there uh, at that meet and greet. And then you guys are all staying at the same hotel or, or whatever, or a lodge or, or whatever yeah. it is during this time? We were at the same hotel and we had our own individual rooms. There were a lot of requirements. Uh, <laughs> they didn't make you share <laughs> rooms? How weird. <laughs> no, they, they didn't make a share room. However, we couldn't go anywhere outside of the hotel without one of the production assistants going with us. What are they, what are they worried not, about? Are they worried about shenanigans and tomfoolery or carousing with the other um, castmates or what? I, they said it was to protect us so that we didn't go out and get hit by a car or something like that or take off and not come back. And keep in mind that a lot of these uh, Netflix um, shows are about reality shows where you have hip-hop type people who out partying and getting into trouble. So they're just used to that type of a protocol. I mean, I would imagine if they've done any homework at who was about to show up there, they weren't thinking they were getting the uh, entourage of DMX or, you know, somebody along these lines. I mean, these are, you know, good quality uh, barbecuers who are, A, competitive no. and, and are probably ready to, to share their knowledge and they just want to hang out and have a good time. I have a feeling it also has to do with liability, that they didn't want anything to happen to us because we did sign a liability contract. And so we were covered under their insurance uh, during the duration that we would be there. Now, I do want to point out, because I'm seeing some of this in the chat, Sylvie, this took place last year pre-coronavirus. September 2019. Yeah, all right. So, so a year. this was a year ago that all this took place. So uh, don't worry. There was, you know, this did, wasn't just <laughs> shot here since March and people were just throwing caution to the wind or anything like that. So during the process of filming, you have the competition stuff that we see, and then there's the shots where, like, the confessionals. So it appears like you just uh, stepped out of whatever you were doing to recap it. Uh, you know, having some editing here doing this show, I kind of understand what's happening. But are you ever coached at any point on what to talk up or what to talk down or uh, perhaps to begin to have some type of an artificial issue with somebody, uh, things like this that you hear about on reality shows? One of the things that, um, and I'm proud of, is that no one talked down to each other. Everybody was very polite. We got along. We helped each other. When we had the producers sitting in the interviews, they would ask us questions, but they didn't tell us to say specific things. You said what came from your heart from you. So there was no... I don't remember at any time did they ask me to bash anybody or to, you know, tell me what I really thought about a person or something like that. Is everything was from the heart. Do they tell you once you get on set that anything you say could be turned around and, and shown if it's recorded? Uh, actually, you signed a contract that says that you agree to be portrayed any way that they want to. So you give up your way of being portrayed. Do you, do you uh, have an issue my, with that? I mean, well, obviously you didn't have that big of an issue with it, uh, but 
did you get did you have to give any pause at any moment going hey i know what kind of a person i am everybody knows what kind of a person i am greg rempe from the barbecue central show knows i'm not some person that's going to be talking shit out there on the competition scene unless somebody's pushing you to the very edge silly i get it <laughs> but depending on how they string these clips together they could make you look like the worst person in the world they could and that was a risk i had to take and but I knew I know me, and as long as I perform the way that I know that I can perform, I had no problem with it. I don't know how to ask this any other way than just to ask: as you were competing, and I would assume you had watched it back since the release on Friday, were you surprised right. during the competition how easily Ashley was ready to quit off that show? Not once, but twice. I was kind of uh, enamored with that in in a weird way. He wasn't acting. That was. That I'm was not him. saying he was, was acting, no but he was ready to quit twice. <laughs> um, I was. What's the word? I'm a person. I think in the where he did what I said, never give up. Yes. And that's just something I truly believe in my life. You don't give up. And sometimes people have to be just shook out of where they are to just open up and just say, okay, let me go on. And that's what we were trying to do. Are you secretly one of the best salmon cookers on the West Coast, Sylvie? <laughs> I cook a lot of salmon. Um, my husband goes fishing up in Alaska usually every year, and they come back with salmon. I've been cooking salmon for my daughter since she was a child because she wouldn't eat, like holidays, she wouldn't eat any other type of meat. So <laughs> I can cook salmon. All right, so as we start to leaf through some of the episodes here, we're not going to you know, go through all of them because yeah. we want people to go ahead and watch if they haven't done it already. But uh, let's see, where is the week that I want to – what week was ribs? I have to talk about ribs. Oh, that's week two, right? Uh, uh, episode. Or episode two. Ribs, ribs, ribs. What the it's hell is two, going two, on? I, I think episode, episode three. Okay, episode, episode three. three. Does it matter? You get St. Louis spare <laughs> ribs. Uh, you're one of the most preeminent rib cooks out there on the West Coast. Uh, you, you have competition experience to the hilt. And all of a sudden, I'm watching Sylvie going, oh, my God, I think my ribs are not going to turn out. How does that happen to a Sylvie Curry lady of Q? This is your wheelhouse. What happens? I, I, and I agree with you, and I don't know what went wrong. All of a sudden, the clock, they, they give you all the times. And the clock went off and I said, oh my God, I'm behind. Um, I couldn't get the smokers up higher to get it going. And it was like, I my fingers crossed and pray. I got behind. And that I, one of the things that's different in this type of competition than going to a sanctioned KCBS type thing is that KCBS, you have your timeline. You know exactly what you're gonna do step by step by step. Yeah. But in this arena, you're put out there. They say, here's your meat. You have, what, four and a half, five hours. That's it. And then you have all the other things that you need to do. You've never practiced it. You don't know, you know, what fits in at what time and how to coordinate both of them. You just go for it. And that probably got in the way of me also. You win a sandwich category. You win the <laughs> wild game uh, episode, raccoon and elk. <laughs> Uh, you were a little skittish on handling the raccoon there in the beginning. Had you had any experience with I, elk? Uh, elk I had no problems with. I could do elk, and I've done that before, and I've done moose before. 
And when you look at it, elk and moose look just like beef, just a very lean beef. So that was no problem. But when you see that raccoon laying out there and it's like, <laughs> I'm squeamish. And my husband will tell you, I'm squeamish. You know, I, I don't do critters. I'm, I'm with you because you said within <laughs> the, the time, you're like, hey, these things are eating trash all the time. So if I'm eating a raccoon, in essence, I'm eating trash. We don't want to do that. That's not it's garbage. Yes, yeah, we yeah. don't. We don't want to be eating garbage. So I mean, you're you're eating what they eat, pretty much. So, uh, but you powered through. Were you surprised at the result? Uh, I powered through because I approached it that it's meat, and I just have to cook this meat, and I can't think about what it is. Uh, I didn't do a tasting until that scene, that actual scene where Grubbs comes up and we're power handing. That was the first time I tasted that, um, that, that stew. So I had no clue. I knew what I put in it would work, but I had no clue how it really tasted. We're talking with Sylvie. I think what, well, I was going to say, I think what made it better, I put in a ham hock. Ah, actually, a couple of ham yes, hocks. That always yeah. makes it better, right? <laughs> and bacon. Yep. Uh, we're talking with Sylvie Curry from Lady of Q about the American Barbecue Showdown. Now, I'm not going to go into where you uh, make it or what episode uh, you make it up to. Maybe you make it into the finals. Maybe you win the whole damn thing. I don't know. Uh, for the folks that haven't seen it. But uh, just summing it up, what do you think of the experience? And if you were asked to go back and do something similar, would you do? I would go back. I had a. I think it was a great experience. Number one, we had a meat locker full of some of oh, the best meats you no can cook. Doubt. It looks <laughs> I mean, we, we, walk in, we walk in there and it's like, whoa. And the opportunity to cook some of those meats was just like, hey, I'd, I'd love to do it. In addition, you meet a lot of new people, a lot of people who you otherwise never would have met before. It was grueling because it was hot as heck out there. But, you know, we once you get into um, one of the episodes, you just push through it and you just do it. You're going to be competing anywhere here over the next handful of weeks or months? Um, nothing until January. All right. California, no competitions here. Shut down until January and we'll see what's happening then. In the meantime, if you haven't done it already, go over and watch the American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. It's Sylvie Curry right here recapping Sylvie. Always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. You got Appreciate it. Appreciate being here. There she is, Sylvie. <laughs> Fan favorite. Everybody loves Lady of Q, of course. So looking forward to another chat with her as we get down the road. And again, if you haven't watched it, get after it. I'll give you my thoughts on the whole thing. Top of next hour. Don't worry about it. Although I was threatened with a phone call. I'm not even going to get into that. We'll see if that happens. Some of you may or may not like that phone call, by the way. Thanks again to Sylvie. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we get over to Derek Riches and get some of his thoughts on barbecue TV. Green Mountain Grills is making some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. That's what we know, number one. They have two different lines for you to choose from. A choice line, a prime line. Choice Line is the original. doesn't have some of that tech, some of the bells, whistles, frills, and robust builds. If you want to save a couple bucks because you don't need any of that, same size Jim Bowie, same size Daniel Boone as you would in the Prime. 
but you're not getting some of those extra features and benefits. Maybe they don't hold value to you. So save a couple hundred bucks. Get the Choice Line. Works great. I've had them for years. Now, if you want to spend a couple hundred extra bucks because you want Wi-Fi connectivity, you want peek-in windows on the main cooking chamber and the pellet hopper, two internal meat probes, a more robust build on the chassis itself, well, then you're going to want to consider the Primer. Either way, you can't lose. They're great. Great ROI, great QPR, throwing out acronyms left and right. They have their own pellets that you can buy to fire them if you want. They have rubs and sauces. They have a great amount of videos. Of course, they have the pellet of an insert. If you're into traveling right now and you want something to take with you, the Davy Crockett is a superior traveling machine. And you don't sacrifice a huge amount of quantity for portability. That's really important. Head on over to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And check out everything they have. Find a dealer near you. And then go check them out in person and ask all the questions that you want. GreenMountainGrills.com. And we're back with Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com right after this. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. If you would rather use a different pellet than the Green Mountain Grill pellets, because the Green Mountain Grill will eat them all, might I suggest cookinpellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all the pellet-driven cookers out there. You can visit cookinpellets.com for more information or to purchase. Look up all their flavors, other stuff that they have. You can visit amazon.com to purchase as well, if you wish. Fourth Tuesday of the month brings a visit from one of the most respected barbecue journalists in the biz. And as I had mentioned in the open, September is Barbecue Hall of Fame, Bar- Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame month. He is in there as of last year. So we race back to the hotline and welcome back Hall of Famer to this show, Derek Riches. Hey, Derek. Hey, Greg. How let's, you doing? Let's hearken back, Derek, 12 months ago. Dare I say, when your life changed for the better, at least the average, but I'm going to hope the better. What what are some of those first things that rush over you as reli- as you relive making it into the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame? Well, the fame, you yes. know, the recognition factor. The people's adulation forever. You just can't go out in public anymore. Right. I mean, it's, is that why you I've moved from Salt Lake? <laughs> you had to yeah. leave Salt Lake to go to Austin to live in obscurity? Yeah, because Austin's <laughs> right. Nobody goes to Austin. Nothing's <laughs> happening there. Yeah, there's nobody down here who knows no. anything about barbecue. That's why I'm here. It's not. Well, I mean, right. man's got to remain as anonymous as possible and got family to worry about, all these great things. So. Um, yeah, it's, hey, it's I, rough. I just had Sylvie Curry on and we were talking about the American barbecue showdown. So I would hate to presume that you've sat there and watched all of the latest barbecue stuff that's arrived on Netflix, but you're a uh, respected journalist. It's all part of our jobs here to keep a finger on the pulse. So, uh, A, have you watched everything, uh, both the chef's table and uh, the barbecue showdown? Yes. All right. I did watch... 
both shows. Uh, it's actually sad to say that I finished the showdown Saturday morning. Uh, well, I'm right there with you because I didn't know between Sunday and today. I mean, it's a, it's a normal work day for me, so I actually have to fit in selling Peterbilts for a living, which is what happens during the day and pays the real bills. So I had to binge through Friday night and then most of Saturday as I was prepping through here. So it was a, a nice distraction. Overall, you've seen all the TV shows over the many years uh, through that golden age, as I had referenced with Sylvie. And even before that, you had Outdoor uh, Living or Life Network right. and uh, All-Star Barbecue Showdown, all versions from John Marcus at that point before he had left and season whatever it was in Barbecue Pitmasters, and it became a complete catastrophe but what was your thought on the american barbecue showdown yeah i think all in all it was a, it was actually a pretty good show i think that um <clears throat> they they brought a lot of uniqueness to things like uh, like what you know, well just you know changing up the proteins changing up the the way the competitions were worked um you know, I mean, it's one thing to sit there and say, hey, we're going to do, you know, standard barbecue competition for eight straight weeks and see who, you know, or, or something along those lines. I think they kind of mixed it up a little bit better. I mean, you know, these sort of cooking reality shows are pretty formulaic, but, uh, you know, it, it, it got my interest. And, you know, like I said, I, like you were saying, I've seen all of them. So I thought it was a pretty well put together, really. Do you think there's some kind of fascination or that uh, perhaps the competition barbecuer in general, I'm just speculating with a broad stroke here or painting with a broad stroke here, that they somehow feel slighted or discredited or I should be on any kind of barbecue related cooking competition because that's what I'm known for. And to have, I mean, Sylvie's an, an accomplished cook. I mean, she hasn't won right. world championships and, and 10 in a row and things like this. Yeah, but, but, I mean, she's, she's won right. grand championships. She's been yeah. successful at uh, World Food Championships. So uh, I'm not discrediting at all. But you, th there are other people that have done a lot of winning. But I feel that there might be some kind of a sour grape going on with only folks that you would know as a KCBS cook or an FBA cook not getting in on these opportunities. Well, I don't, you know, I don't think the producers of the show, you know, think about that as their target audience. So, you know, they're looking for something that's going to have a broad general appeal. So they want that, that variety of people. Um, you know, we, when you're in the barbecue community, it's like, yeah, a lot of names stand out. But as soon as you walk out of that community, <laughs> those names aren't really well known, you know. Um, so, yeah, people can be upset that maybe, you know, bigger names from the, bar the competition world should have been in there. But we've had those shows, too, though. Yeah. And, you know, that's been good. I think that, you know, there's kind of a desire to make it a little bit, uh, you know, more, maybe more, a little more approachable. Plus, you know, this isn't being broadcast on uh, a small American cable channel. This is Netflix. Netflix thinks global audience. So I don't think that that's what they were looking for. I think that they want that, uh, you know, a wide variety of people. Did you think it's a national, 
natural progression for this kind of show to end up on a streaming platform like a Netflix? Maybe it could have been Hulu or, you know, whatever else is currently available. But is it a big win for this kind of show for the industry to land on Netflix? Um, yeah, I think it is because, I mean, look, everyone's going to go streaming, you know, two, three years from now, I don't think there's going to be like an NBC. There's just going to be Peacock. It's just kind of the way the future is. And it also kind of puts it out there and says, well, if Netflix was willing to invest in this, maybe it's worth investing in, you know, um, they're kind of the trendsetter in streaming. So it, it, it might actually encourage some of the other services as well as some of the other networks to say, maybe there is something worthwhile here. Derek Rich is joining me here on the show. DerekRiches.com is his website where you can find his writings and reviews and all the other good stuff. Can you name two or three highlights of the show that really stuck with you as standing out above and beyond, or whether it be a competitor or particular challenge, what have you? Um, I don't, you know, uh, let's see. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, well, you know, it, it is structured that way. You know, and uh, Sylvie was talking about the fact that they all met with psychologists to kind of go through, you know, this is a reality TV thing. <laughs> they look for personality types. And um, do you think they're trying to so, weed out the kooks? Uh, or include them. <laughs> but not the dangerous so, kooks, just the kooks. No, not kooks. the dangerous kooks. You, you, you want the big personality people. <laughs> you want some of those in there, particularly, you know, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak ill of anybody, but, you know, you, you want a couple of those real big, loud, boisterous sort of people. For You're instance, that, uh, that shotgun guy with the, the, the big muscles yeah. and the mohawk, right? The, he's the guy you're talking about. Well, like yeah. like okay. a guy you're talking about. A guy. Yeah. I mean, because you're right. It's like, look at, you know, you look at the beginning of the show and I'm not. This is no spoilers because this is episode one. Right. But. You know, right there, there he is. He's loud. He's the the guy up front, and you know that I, that's that's put in there as a hook. It's to get people to go, oh wow, there's some personalities here. There's some interesting characters in all of this. Because you know, I mean, it's entertainment. It's there's no cooking instruction in this. It's it's an entertainment show. So you know, they will do that sort of thing. And you know, yeah, he was he was great and he was boisterous. And you have some of those sort of characters. And it's fun to see. I mean, for me, it was kind of just interesting to see how they kind of played that sort of thing. You get the character who's like, oh, this is my thing. And then they bomb it. <laughs> it's, you know, because, you know, part of the way reality TV structured is the second you get really cocky about something, that's when you're going down. That's just the way they want to they want to build it. There, there's a certain sense of a moral outcome to that sort of thing. So it's you know it's entertaining from that sort of value. But you know I was actually pretty impressed with what a lot of the people on the show were doing. I you know I was really impressed with uh, Rashid. I thought it was really interesting to see this guy who kind of doesn't compete anywhere to kind of come in and it's like oh I'm doing everything and I'm just going to do really good at it. And he was. It wasn't cockiness it was confidence and uh so you know i think he's someone to look out for in the future 
but you, it was good to see the variety and in, in, you know, in the personalities out there. Do you think that a show like this is doing itself a potential disservice? As you said, they're very formulaic, that they aren't formulizing a teachable opportunity in these episodes where, you know, some of it is this is why we are doing our ribs like this and, and this. I mean, obviously, they're not going to give you the whole five, six, seven hour process. But maybe something a little more than just watching them cascade rubs and mops and stuff. Uh, you don't see any cooking, really. Uh, so you're not yeah. able to pick something up on the show and then apply it over the course of the weekend while you're watching it. Wouldn't that bring a little bit more value to the show? Or do you think that it's just not valuable enough for those guys to include it in a show like that? I just like to think that they think that there's value in it. You might be old enough to remember this, but once long ago, the Food Network had cooking instructional shows and not game shows. Yeah, and, like uh, what's you know, his name? Bam. He was uh, he was instructional. Um, the rapist. He was he was very instructional, too, uh, or the sexual offender, whatever his name is, Mario Batali. So, yeah, there was a uh, lot yeah. of cooking instruction. Even Bobby Flay, who was one of my favorites, had decent cooking instruction shows. Rachel Ray. Right. Right. Yeah. But they moved away towards an entertainment factor because what they realized is there's a lot of people who are fascinated by kind of the world of cooking but don't really do it and aren't interested in learning about it. Plus, you know, that puts them in competition with basically the Internet. If we're going to mm. do, hey, let's put in a whole bunch of, you know, cooking instruction let's show how these ribs are made and what goes into rubs what goes into mops and and the process well there's a probably a really good 15 minute youtube video on that out there you know i mean mm. you just bring up malcolm reed's channel and you get that instruction so they're not they don't want to compete with you know that sort of informational value they're here for entertainment they bring their production values and their production team and they put on a good show and that's what it is it's a show down that's what they're doing all right so you were a fan overall of the show <laughs> that's uh that's good to hear let's transition over the next couple minutes here and talk about the chef's table barbecue edition um i'm going to give my take on american showdown top of next hour but I can sit here and tell you right now, this Chef's Table Barbecue Edition was absolutely phenomenally done. I loved every second of yeah. it. I've seen three of the four. I haven't seen uh, the last one, but I've seen the Lennox uh, Hasties. I've seen yeah. the Rodney Scott, and obviously I started with the Snow slash Tootsie's one, and all three were one better than the next. Yeah, all four are fantastic, and I really I encourage everyone to watch them. Um. And to support that, um, because there needs to be more of this, you know, particularly for, you know, I mean, the, the thing of it is, is for me, when I was sat and watch, you know, uh, the, the episode on Tootsie, because, you know, I've been out there and, you know, I've, I've met Tootsie and um, not that she would probably remember me, but she might. You know, that's beside the point. It's, but, you know, she, she's an important figure in barbecue and who she is, is as important as what she does. And recording that information and, you know, making something, uh, you know, kind of that powerful about her, it, you know, considering the woman's 85 yep. now, 86, yep. 85. I think that that's a, a great thing. And, and Rodney Scott, I mean, come on, he's one of the most talked about people in barbecue right now. 
what he does is is great and his story is important and it's nice to see that you know from that standpoint for particularly for those two two episodes you know we're preserve, preserving history and tradition here you know we're kind of looking in and saying this isn't you know this isn't necessarily really instructional either but it's about the craft of it and the craft of barbecue is something that we need to really preserve in this age of computer controlled everything you know it's great to see someone like tootsie out there and it's like i don't use a thermometer i don't know how hot this is cooking at i just know the meat and i know it from experience and that you know i mean that's craft and and i you know i think you're right about lennox that was a fantastic episode i was blown away by that yeah that was I, apparently we're writing a book now is that the deal yeah we're writing a book did i forget okay. to tell you yeah, I, I, yeah. I kind of picked that up from earlier so yeah. but yeah i'd love to do uh, that's a person i would love to hang out with i mean like for a month yeah that He's, would just be phenomenal that was just impressive just kind of the you know getting down into the kind of real root of live fire cooking like that um i was really impressed with that one when you were watching the rodney scott portion did he seem at the end as we're trying to tie it all up in that episode did you feel like he was a man that was good with where he and his father's relationship was or you know behind him saying i've done what i could do you think he, that there is still a pain that lies within him i think well you know i mean that's it it's hard to say what's portrayed versus what's real but um yeah, I mean, there's a. That's kind of one of the fascinating things about his story is that there's a big conflict with that. It's you know, you know, young man who grew up in barbecue trying to get away from it and then becoming what he is. And the other thing I was impressed was is he went out and did eighteen pop up mm. cook offs, cookings, and raised eighty thousand dollars. That's a pretty good. That was, uh, that's a pretty good average nut yeah. per eighteen, right? I would say yeah. that I was very impressed by that yeah. factor, yeah. but yeah, no, I, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping that Rodney Scott remains a force in barbecue for quite some time. And because I think there's a, there's a lot to teach and, and, and he's a good example of, of, you know, kind of what can happen. Go out and watch all of these. Uh, this is why Derek Rich is the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame, because he does Hall of Fame segments just like this. Absolutely. Go check out Derek at DerekRiches.com. And in the meantime, you can come back here on the fourth Tuesday of every month, and we will be chatting with him as we move along. Derek, always appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. See you in October. All right. There he is, Derek Riches. How about that? A lot of great insight there, uh, wonderful takes, as always. So if you have not seen the Chef's Table portion barbecue, it's a bunch of Chef's Tables episodes uh, or series or whatever, but there is one specific to barbecue, so search that. It's, it's, it's really good, really good. And I'm going to get this out of the way so I can leave a little extra time in the second hour as I believe debate will be rampant. Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas, owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage or hot guts, as they're called. 
They also have authentic Central Texas barbecued meats, including prime briskets, which are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. Shipping fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. You can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note. They have multiple addresses without additional charges. All the items that are shipped are vacuum sealed for ease of preparation for the customer when they arrive. They're processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. Three restaurants. Elgin, Texas since 1882. Bastrop, Texas since 2014. There's also one in Austin. Grocery distribution through Texas, many surrounding states, 10% off when you go to southsidemarket.com. And at the checkout, use promo code BBQ Central. That's one word and lowercase BBQ C E N T R A L. BBQ Central for 10% off your order each and every time over at Southside Market and Barbecue. We are back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Hey, welcome back. And we're being brought to you by Fireboard right now. And Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or you can connect via the Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant. You're in luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. The Fireboard 2 and Fireboard 2 Drive. Get after it. You will love it. I love mine. Greg is Derek the Ghost Writer for the Barbecue Central Show Memoirs. Nobody wants to read the Barbecue Central Show memoirs. Nobody. Thanks again to Derek Riches for joining me. DerekRiches.com. That's the place to go to check him out. Dennis Busso weighing in. Colorado Embedded Correspondent. Another Hall of Fame Barbecue Central Show live right now. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you for tuning in. Hope everything's well in your house, my friend. Joe and Alicia Adamo, if I'm saying that correctly. Great series. Great story behind each one. They're talking about the Chef's Table Barbecue Series. Undoubtedly. Really good. Really good. And as Derek had mentioned, while you might be most familiar with Tootsies and Snows and Rodney Scott because you hear about it all the time, Lennox Hasty, that episode, might change your life. If I can tease it and you haven't seen it yet, this guy opened a restaurant that is cooking over 100% charcoal, like wood burned down to coals, and that is it. There's no electricity in the restaurant. There's no burners. Everything, everything is cooked over burnt down coals. Totally incredible. Very impressive. The history on how he got there, the mentor 
that he met in the middle of nowhere that taught him and they learned together. They're grilling the most expensive caviar. It took him a year to figure out how to, I'm letting it I'm letting the cat out of the bag. That's it. Go watch. You'll thank me later. My take on the American Barbecue Showdown follows. Stick around. We'll be right back.